Well, here we are. What an interesting time this has been. I, um, I've been working from home, as many of you have. I have seriously upped my sweatpants game. Um, just home all the time. Uh, for the first time in a long time, I put on what I'm now calling my hard pants uh, to leave the house. And it's just been weird. It's been weird to be at home all the time. And uh, this has been an interesting moment for, I think, all of us. And we want to take a moment this morning together, and together as best we can be. If you're sitting in your home, sitting in your living room, at your kitchen table, open your Bible to Psalm 91. This is a familiar psalm to a lot of people. It's a psalm that brings incredible comfort, and I think it's important that we look at it carefully and we see really what God's saying, because this psalm also has the propensity to be misused. Before we do that, grab your Bibles, your app, whatever you have, open it up. Let's pray together. God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of just craziness, things that... Uh, none of us have experienced before in our lifetime, unfamiliar territory. It has the propensity to bring anxiety and confusion and fear. But we come to you this morning because you are the God who's in control. You are the God who's sovereign. You are the God that brings comfort. And as we see in your word in Psalm 91, you are our refuge. You are our dwelling place. We hide in you. We trust you. We declare it right out loud this morning. We trust you. In the midst of great uncertainty, we know you're certain. And you're safe. And you are secure. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Psalm 91. Let's read it together. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler, from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder. The young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. 
I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. This is the word of the Lord, amen? The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God lasts forever. This is a psalm that, that is a part of the fourth book of the Psalter. It's, it is a psalm that the Jewish people would recite, that they would sing, that they would read um, in times of difficulty, in times of tragedy, in times of, of, of coming back from um, being taken away. And they would sing this psalm to remind themselves of where their help comes from, where they find refuge. You know, there's three times in this psalm that are really interesting because they are the, in some senses, the condition of the psalm. You see that the, that the person, the psalmist, is declaring uh, to be that, that God protects, that God comforts, that God brings security and confidence to is the person who what? Look at the first verse. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. What an interesting thought. Man, I've been thinking a lot about that this week. I, you know, I, I've learned a lot about dwelling because I feel like I've been dwelling in my house nonstop for weeks. I know every corner of my house. I've taken more time than I've ever taken before to produce comfort in the areas where I'm spending a lot of time dwelling. Uh, set up an office for myself as I have to work from home, made sure that I had everything that I need, the desk, the computer, the TV, uh, access to the internet, a comfortable chair to sit in so that I can go to a place and I can be in that place. I'll never forget when I was uh, in college, uh, my wife and I, this is obviously before we were married, we had been dating since we were teenagers and we had broken up my junior year of college. And uh, I went to school in Portland, Oregon, 3,000 miles away. We spent uh, the first two years of my college experience apart, but still dating. Um, and then into my junior year, we broke up. I was just telling my daughter about this as we were driving to, uh, to pick up all her stuff at her dorm and get her home for good. And I was telling this story thinking about it because at the end of my junior year, uh, I began to think about my wife again, who's now my wife, and, 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 and think to myself, man, I miss her, uh, and I think I'd like to, to get back together with her. And so I found myself, when I came back that summer from Portland, Oregon, dwelling in a particular house, often, uh, in Lakeland, New York. And I would go over there. Thank God I, I would go there, and I had an excuse because I happened to really like and be good friends with her brother, who's only a year younger than me. And so I would dwell in that house over and over again. I would go over all the time, uh, you know, saying, Bobby, you need, he was fixing an apartment uh, off the house, and I'm like, man, do you need some help? I'll come over, and I'll hang out there. And I wanted to spend time there. I wanted to be there, and I was there all the time. I spent a lot of time there until uh, I began to develop this relationship again, and our relationship began to rekindle, and we got back together, and eventually we've been married since 1998. When you want relationship with somebody and you want to get to know them in, in, a, in a deep way, you really got to be with them all the time. And, and there's this idea of dwelling. It, it's the place where you reside. It's the place where you shelter. It's the place where you, as the scripture says, abide. 
abiding in him, abiding in the Almighty and dwelling with him. And, and folks, in this, in this time of uncertainty, in this time of, of, of many times fear, I think this is a really important question for all of us to ask ourselves. Where, where am I dwelling? Where do I abide? What is my life, my conscious focus, my um, intentional um, time spent and, and, and thought life, where is it abiding? Where, where do I, uh, where is the number one place? What's the number one source of entertainment? What's the number one source of thought? What's the number one source of information? What's the number one source of, of things that become the foundational, secure um, uh, foundation for my life, the decisions I make, the way that I act, the way that I respond? Where do I get all of this information and, and, and source? What, what is my source? I think a lot of us have had some time on our hands to think about things. And I was really challenged by this passage because as I am forced now to be home and sit on my couch and ponder and think, what do I go to? Man, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on news apps all the time. I'm checking up on uh, coronavirus. I'm checking up on COVID-19 and what's the, what's the newest numbers in Onondaga County? What's the newest numbers in New York State? What's the newest numbers nationally? What's the newest numbers worldwide? How many people have lost their lives because of this virus? What are the experts saying is the next progression of the virus? Have we dampened the curve? Are we getting to a place where we're on the other side of it? Is there light at the end of the tunnel? Do we see an opportunity maybe to, to not have to social distance? Do we see opportunity down the road where we can go to stores and interact in a normal way and we don't have to stand behind the, the bright orange line at Wegmans anymore? And, and I've been looking at news Apps. I've been reading story after story after story, listening to expert after expert after expert. And I gotta tell you, sometimes I find comfort and sometimes I find reason for fear. Sometimes I read a story and I go, oh my goodness, this is awful. And our emotions really can be subjectively all over the place depending on where we're getting our information, looking for comfort, looking for answers, looking for some sort of stability where our feet can find like footing and I can get on solid ground and stand on something reliable because this is so foreign, this is so outside the norm that it seems like our feet are really just finding a place to, to set down and to have footing. Well, Christian... He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I need to begin to dwell in the shelter of the Most High more and more in my life. That needs to be my dwelling place. That needs to be where I am, where my thoughts are, primarily the number one source. Not that I don't look to other sources for information. Not that I don't check the news to see how it's going. Not that I don't become informed on what's the government's restrictions and, and where are government leaders guiding us in terms of dealing with this virus. Of course, I should look to all of those things. But primarily, the number one source where I get information and comfort and security and confidence in the time of uncertainty is with the Almighty. Amen? Dwelling with him, abiding with him. 
okay, everybody who kind of maybe knows what they're talking about is doing the best they can. But the one who really knows has spoken to us in his word about who we are and who we're going to be and who in the midst of really difficult, uncertain circumstances is really taking care of us. And for the person who dwells and abides in the right place, you can take confidence that he is taking care of you. Amen? Man, not everybody can, according to the son, but if you dwell with him, if you know him, you're gonna say this. Look at verse two. Look at what the person says out loud who's dwelling in him. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Man, that's how you get to that place. How do I get to that place? How do I get to the place where the words that come out of my mouth, I will say to the Lord, you're my refuge, you're my fortress, you are my God in whom I trust. If you don't feel that way this morning, if you're unable to say that, you're my refuge, God. You're my fortress. You're the one who I trust in. Then scramble back to dwelling. You need to get in with, and abide with him. Get into the word. Focus on what he said to us through the scriptures. Pray. Spend some time with him. Get your thoughts in order. This is where I need to dwell, where I need to abide. Because as I abide with him, with, with the almighty the words that are going to come from my spirit out of my mouth are going to be my refuge. You're my refuge. You're my fortress. You are my God in whom I trust. Some trust in other things. Some trust that maybe our elected leaders are going to figure this out and make good decisions. I know there's uncertainty there. And man, they are stepping up, I believe, and doing the best they can and trying to do what is right with all the information that they have. And we should be praying for all of our elected leaders, regardless of who you like and who you don't like or who you voted for. They're the ones that are in place. God's in control of who runs what. And we should be praying for them. You know, some, some are... If you watch Facebook for more than 10 seconds, you know, criticizing nonstop, whether it be Governor Cuomo or President Trump or whoever, some are praising them nonstop. Some are uncertain. And, and they're going to make decisions whether or not to open things up or keep things shut down. They're going to make decisions on where we can go and where we can't go right now with the information that they have. And, and I think that, that we should honor them. And we're doing that here as we live stream and don't meet together. At the end of the day, I will say to the Lord, you're my refuge. Man, I appreciate them. I appreciate the leadership. I appreciate elected officials. I just appreciate the situation that they're in from Ryan McMahon to Governor Cuomo to, to Donald Trump and all the others in government that are working around this thing. I appreciate them. I'm praying for them. Listening, listening to guidance from information that they have from experts. Obeying the laws and instructions as we get them. But I will say to the Lord, you're my refuge. 
You're my fortress. You're my God in whom I trust. At the end of the day, there is a security and a safety and a confidence that I have in my heart. Not because of any of that, but because of who he is. I know he's in control. I know he's God. I know he's sovereign. He's my God. And I know him. And I need to know him more. I need to dwell more. I need to abide more. I need to to dive deep intentionally as hard as I can into the scriptures, into prayer, into my worship of him. And in this moments alone, folks, I just encourage you, dads, moms, get your kids together, pray together, do family worship together. In these moments where we can't gather and encourage each other in church, dwell in the presence of God. Make God and his word and and prayer and worship of him and hearing from him through the scriptures. Make that your primary source where you trust. Let's teach our kids in this moment that, that, yes, we do have folks that are making decisions and there's a lot going on, but at the end of the day, young people, kids, moms, dads, folks that are maybe scared for their health that are elderly, at the end of the day, who do we trust? Who, who is our, our hope in? Where do we throw our lives and our security in the midst of uncertainty? Right here. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. So what is this person who dwells and abides with the Almighty? What does he get to say? He gets to say, you're my God, you're my refuge. Think of refuge. We are sheltering in place. He, at the end of the day, is ultimately our shelter. There's a picture here in verse four. Verse three and four, let's read it again. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler, from the deadly pestilence. Boy, are we experiencing that. And look at the picture in verse four. And under his wing you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. He will cover you with his pinions, verse four, and under his wings you'll find shelter. It's, it's really a picture of a, of a mother bird and her feathers and her wing covering her, her baby birds. What a beautiful picture. There's there's a hiding that's taking place. The baby birds in the midst of difficulty and trouble or pestilence or something that would come against go underneath the wing and there's warmth and there's comfort and there's security. There's a hiding. There's a secret place that you go where the bird covers. And and, and folks, as you dwell and, and, and abide in the Almighty, as you shelter in the Most High in these moments, that's exactly what you get to do. You get to come into a place of hiding where, where there's outside of that, there's danger. Outside of that, there's things that could attack you, things that could kill you, things that could hit you, things that, that would be out of your control that you couldn't stop from affecting your life in a detrimental way. You get to scramble underneath the wing of, of the Almighty and he hides you, protects you, and keeps you safe from all the stuff on the outside that would come against you. Some of you in this moment may say, but, you know, don't negative things still happen to Christians? I mean, Christian soldiers who go to war pass away and die and are killed. Uh, Christians in the midst of this virus have contracted the virus. Some probably have even succumbed to the virus, believers that dwell in the Most High. And, and folks, this isn't some, as some would misuse it, some magical incantation that you just walk around and quote and you get to do what you want and, and you're invincible. What this is, this is, this is not that. 
What this is is you can understand and you can know as you abide and as you dwell with God that he is completely protecting you and his purposes will come to fruition in your life. Nothing will happen to you. You are invincible for anything other than what God wants to have happen in your life and God's purposes in your life are good. His purposes in your life are good. You can trust him. He is out for good. He knows what he's doing. Even this passage is what the Jewish folks would read as they came out of captivity, as they came out of being destroyed and affected and having horrible things happen to them. They would read this to remind themselves of where their help comes from, who's in control of their life, who is governing and directing where they go. And as they abide in him, they can know that tragedy and calamity and pestilence and evil will not overcome them Because God's in control, and the things that they engage and deal with in their life, they can trust God has allowed it to happen because he's in control, and he's working in them for his good pleasure. They're his handiwork that he's working in for his good pleasure. So when difficulty comes, when sickness comes, when things come, you can know that it's not outside of the protection and the will and the security of God who's in control of your life. That is a confidence that should cause you to walk tall, that should cause you to walk uh, confident and secure, not in anxiety and fear. And Is something outside of God's will going to come and happen to me and hurt me and throw my life off course? No, not if you're dwelling with the Most High. Not if you know him. Not if you're abiding with him. You are in a place of safety and security. And as you walk through difficulty, you can know that difficulty is is within the will and the sovereignty of a God who's in control and working in and through your life for good, for his good pleasure. Satan tried to misuse this verse. I'm sure verse 12 sounds familiar to you as you reflect on Matthew chapter 4. He says in verse 11, For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Their hands will bear you up lest you strike your foot against the stone. I don't know if you remember the passage in Matthew 4 when Jesus is in the wilderness and he's being tempted. And Satan throws this out and totally misuses it in the way that I've heard some preachers on TV misuse it. As if this is some just incantation, like a Harry Potter movie that you just say it over and over again and nothing bad happens to you. It's not what Psalm 91 is talking about. And so Satan said to Jesus, hey, why don't you get up on the top of the, the tower of the temple and throw yourself off? Doesn't Psalm 91 say that the angels will uphold you and you won't cast your foot against the stone? You know, I love that Jesus doesn't get in a theological argument with Satan and explain to him how he doesn't understand how to interpret scripture. And in Satan's you know, temptation, he throws this out as if it's like, yeah, you know, just jump off a temple. You should be fine, right? Doesn't Psalm 91 say that? And Jesus, I love his responses. He just looks back and doesn't seem to be affected much. This wasn't like a a fair fight. He says, isn't it also written? I love that. Yeah, you're misusing Psalm 91. Isn't it also written? You shall, not tempt the, you, shall, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. You see, some people may read this verse and say, well, okay, God's going to protect us from pestilence. He's going to, you know, thousands, verse 7, may die next to us. But we won't. So does that mean we don't have to listen to anybody? We can just go out, do what we want, 
not practice social distancing, not heed the words of our leaders. You know, we should be fine. Just go out and do whatever we want because God's protecting us. Well, that's, that's kind of how Satan used this verse. And Jesus reacted appropriately to it. You don't just jump in front of a car and think, Psalm 91, I should be fine. It's not what this is getting at. What this is getting at is that if you abide in him, if you know him, you don't have to be afraid. Look at verse five. You will not fear. Those who draw near to God, those, listen to this, those who draw near to God can have peace no matter what the circumstances. You don't have to fear. Some say, I'm scared. Some say, I'm afraid. But those who dwell In the shelter of the Most High, in verse 2, I will say, the Lord is my refuge, and he's my fortress, my God whom I trust. You dwell with him. You don't have to be afraid. You can have peace. The Lord's my fortress. He's my God. What a personal declaration the psalmist makes. And folks, I hope this morning you can make that declaration in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of a very strange time. We can declare God is present and able to deliver me. He is my refuge. He is where I hide. He is in control. I have confidence and trust. Regardless of circumstance, I have peace. A peace that the Bible describes goes beyond your ability to understand. Verse four, you see the picture of the mother bird protecting from that terror at night, the plague of pestilence. You see the picture of a shield and a buckler that you can hide behind if you picture a war and arrows are coming and bullets are flying and God is like that shield that protects you and it doesn't matter what arrow comes. He's a shield about you. Doesn't matter if it's, if it's tragedy, difficulty, uh, an invisible virus. We don't fear because we abide in him. He's our comfort. He's our protector. We're not going to be stupid and jump in front of cars, jump off a temple like Satan asked Jesus to do. We're not going to be stupid and just not practice social distancing, go out and just behave as if this doesn't exist. Of course not. We're going to use wisdom. We're going to listen to the Lord because we know him because we're abiding in him and we're dwelling with him and he provides wisdom and the ability to walk with him. We're gonna stay home. We're gonna honor authorities. We're gonna be faithful and we're gonna dwell in the presence of God. We're gonna take refuge in the right place with him and not in other things. We're gonna dwell deeper and harder and more faithfully than we ever have while we go through this thing. We're not gonna be filled with fear but we're going to have confidence and trust in the one who knows exactly what's going on. The one who has his wing over us and is hiding us and protecting us. At the end of this psalm, it's beautiful because God confirms. And it switches to the third person and you see God begin to speak to the person who dwells with him. Listen to this in verse 14. Because he holds fast to me in love, don't miss that. We're dwelling, we're abiding, we are holding fast to him in love. 
Because of that, listen to what God says. I'll deliver him. These seven promises. I will deliver him. I will protect him. Because he knows my name. Don't miss that. You're dwelling, you're abiding, and you know him. You know his name. Number three, when he calls, I'll answer him. Number four, I'll be with him in trouble. Does it say I won't have trouble? Nope. But guess what the confidence is that we have? In the midst of trouble, he's with us. Doesn't mean you're never going to go through trouble again. But what it means is you're never going to go through trouble again alone. God is with you. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. Number five. Number six. With long life, I will satisfy him. He is our satisfaction. He is where we gain satisfaction. We need to dwell and abide in him as our number one source of satisfaction. Number seven. I'll show him my salvation. Church, at the end of the day, the most amazing ultimate provision that God has given us is Jesus. Jesus is our salvation. Jesus has provided the ultimate security, the ultimate confidence. Jesus came, lived in the midst of great difficulty, pestilence, trial, perfect righteous life that we we couldn't accomplish even if the best person on the planet tried their hardest. He did it. Then he took upon himself the punishment for sin. Some would say, well, well, does that mean Psalm 91's not true because Jesus was killed? No. It's exactly right. God fulfilled his good purposes in the life of Christ. And Jesus, all the way to the cross, trusted him, had confidence in him, had security with him. In the thing that his life was ordained to do, it did. You can have that same confidence because of Jesus. Ultimately, Jesus is the great provision of God that we know the purposes of God are good in our lives, and he has provided for us a way to be in the presence of God, a way to be saved. He's provided for us as promised in salvation. If you dwell in him, if you know him, if you know his name, if you rely on him, you will be saved because Jesus has been your substitute, paid the price for your sin, and as you trust in him, it doesn't matter what else happens to you. Your greatest need has been fulfilled. Your greatest need has been fulfilled in that your sins are forgiven because Jesus paid the price. He's become your substitute. He's become your propitiation. He's he's become your provision for your greatest need death sin disease sickness it's all taken care of because of jesus and you can dwell and you can trust in him and you can walk with confidence because we have a good god who protects us we have a god who is our refuge amen as you take shelter in place as we're quarantined and as we have to find refuge as we experience and deal with this disease, know where your real refuge is. Dwell with him. He's our refuge. 
in the shadow of the Almighty. I'm going to pray, God, we thank you for who you are. We declare, as verse 2 declares, the psalmist declares, because we dwell and we trust you, we can declare out loud, you're our refuge. You are our God in whom we trust. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen.